thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And certainly, Father, we need you more than we need our very breath. We thank you, God, for allowing us entry entry into your presence. It's so wonderful to be with you. And we thank to be welcome there. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So I thought we'd talk a little bit today about the times in which we live and uh, especially what, speaking about what time is it spiritually? What is, what is the, the uh, message and what is the uh, need and what is the release from heaven that we need to understand? We live in an age of mass information and communication. The world is becoming smaller and more accessible to everyday people. Now, the world has been accessible to to certain privileged people forever, but the everyday person now has access to the whole world through the Internet, you know, through social media, through uh, telephone and and communication, through broadcasts and things of the like. Uh, People are not in in a vacuum anymore we're not in um, in a loss for information so as times change we have to remember that one thing remains constant and that is God's plan for the world is still the same it has not changed he plans to save humanity from itself amen so God's plan is salvation but he is saving humanity from itself. God saves through prayer. As times become more confusing and disorganized, prayer becomes more paramount and more essential. I'm going to share something with you that <clears throat> was given to me. I, I agreed to help a young woman that wants to she really has a a bible school it's more of an online bible school and she has conference calls with her students and she asked me if i would participate in it and and do some teaching for her and i told her that sounds good to me she's equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry so anybody who's equipping them all for it and so uh, i thought it was just a privilege to be a part of it and she sent me a syllabus that she's what she's teaching from is her foundation, and it was it interested me because it is a whole course on prayer, and I felt that if anybody is is alert enough in God to understand the importance of prayer as a foundation for any ministry, uh, that it was a sign. You know, you you have to get with people of like precious faith, and so it was a an honor for me to to uh, do it so anyway he his this chapter is on the fact that prayer is essential to god i probably won't read the whole thing but i thought there were some interesting highlights in this that i want to share with you from isaiah 58 9 it says then shall thou call and the lord shall answer thou shalt cry and he shall say here i am our cries never go unanswered amen then shall you delight yourself in the Lord. This, verse, this is verse 14. That was Isaiah 58, 9. Then drop down to verse 14. Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee from the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So when, when we have a need down here, God, we cry out to God, 
And he answers us and he causes us. He answers that prayer according to his word. And he calls, he causes us to have victory and ride upon the high places, the things that have been too big for us. Now they're under our feet. Amen. He says here, it must never be forgotten that almighty God rules the world. Don't ever forget it. I don't care how much you submerge yourself into news broadcasts and all of this stuff. God still rules this world. He is not an absentee God. His hand is ever on the throttle of human affairs. He is everywhere present in the concerns of time. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. He rules the world just as he rules the church by prayer. So the the world is subject to the force of prayer just like the church is. This lesson needs to be emphasized, iterated, and reiterated in the ears of men of modern times and brought to bear with cumulative force on the consciences of this generation whose eyes have no vision for the eternal things and whose ears are deaf toward God. Nothing is more important to God than prayer in dealing with mankind. But it is likewise all important to man to pray. Failure to pray is failure along the whole line of life. It is failure of duty, service, and spiritual progress. God must help man by prayer. He who does not pray, therefore, robs himself of God's help and places God where he cannot help man. Man must pray to God if love for God is to exist. Faith and hope and patience and all the strong, beautiful, vital forces of piety or of of spirituality or, or love of God are withered and dead in a prayerless life. The life of the individual believer, his personal salvation, and personal Christian graces have their being, bloom, and fruitage in prayer. All this and much more can be said as to the necessity of prayer to the being, the culture of piety in the individual. But prayer has a larger sphere, a more obligated duty, a loftier inspiration. Prayer concerns God, whose purposes and plans are conditioned on prayer. His will and his glory are bound up in praying. The days of God's splendor and renown have always been great days of prayer. God's great movements in this world have been conditioned on, conditioned and fashioned by prayer. God has put himself in these great movements just as men have prayed. Present, prevailing, conspicuous and mastering prayer has always brought God to be present. The real and obvious test of a genuine work of God is the prevalence of the spirit of prayer. God's mightiest forces surcharge and impregnate a movement when prayer's mightiest forces are there. God's movement to bring Israel from Egyptian bondage had its inception in prayer. Thus early did God and humanity put the fact of prayer as one of the granite forces upon which this world's movements were to be based. Hannah's petition for a son began a great prayer movement for God in Israel. Praying women whose prayers are like those of Hannah can give the cause of men like Samuel, can give to the cause 
of men like Samuel do more for the church and the world than all the politicians of earth. Men born of prayer are the saviors of the state, and men saturated with prayer give life and impetus to the church. Under God, they are saviors and helpers of both church and state. We must believe that the divine record of the facts about prayer and God are given in order that we might be constantly reminded of him and be ever refreshed by the faith that God holds his church for the entire world and that God's purpose will be fulfilled. His plans concerning the church will most assuredly and inevitably be carried out through prayer. That record of God, that record of God has been given without doubt that we may be deeply impressed that the prayers of God's saints are a great factor, a supreme factor in carrying forward God's work with facility and in time. When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes and his kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's cause decays and evil of every kind prevails. In other words, God works through the prayers of his people. And when they fail him at this point, decline and deadness ensue. It is according to the divine plans that spiritual prosperity comes through the prayer channel. Praying saints are God's agents for carrying out his saving and providential work on earth. If his agents fail him, neglecting to pray, then his work fails. Praying agents of the Most High are always forerunners of spiritual prosperity. The men of the church of all ages who have held the church for God have had in affluent fullness and richness the ministry of prayer. The rulers of the church with the scriptures reveal have had preeminence in prayer. Eminent they may have been in culture, in intellect, and in all the natural or human forces, or they may have been lowly in physical attainments and native gifts, yet in each case prayer was the all-potent force in the rulership of the church. And this was so because God was with and in what they did, for prayer always carries us back to God. It recognizes that God recognizes God and brings God into the world to work and save and bless. The most efficient agents in disseminating the knowledge of God and in pro- prosecuting his work upon the earth and in standing as breakwater agents against the billows of evil have been praying church leaders. God depends upon them and employs them and blesses them. Prayer cannot be retired as a secondary force in the world. To do so is to retire God from the movement. It is to make God secondary. The prayer ministry is an all-engaging force. It must be so to be a force at all. Prayer is a sense of God's need and call for God's help to supply that need. The estimate and place of prayer is the estimate and place of God. To give prayer the secondary place is to make God secondary in life's affairs. To substitute other forces for prayer retires God and materializes the whole movement. Prayer is an absolute necessity to the proper carrying on of God's work. God has made it so. This must have been the principal reason why the early church, when the complaint that the widows of certain believers have been neglected, 
in the daily administration of the church's benefactions that the 12 called the disciples together and told them to look out for seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom who they could appoint over that benevolent work, adding this important statement, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They surely realized that the success of the word and the progress of the church were dependent in a preeminent sense upon giving themselves to prayer. God could effectively work through them in proportion as they gave themselves fully to prayer. The apostles were as dependent upon prayer as other folks. Sacred work, church activities may so engage and absorb us as to hinder praying. And when this is the case, evil results always follow. It is better to let the work go by default than to let the praying go by neglect. Whatever affects the intensity of our prayers affects the value of our work. Too busy to pray is not only the keynote of backsliding, but it mars even the work done. Nothing is well done without prayer for the simple reason that it leaves God out of the account. It is so easy to be seduced by good to neglect the best until both the good and the best perish. How easily may men, even leaders in Zion, be led by the insidious wiles of Satan to cut short our praying in the interests of the work. How easy to neglect prayer or abbreviate our praying simply by the plea that we have church work on our hands. Satan has effectively disarmed us when he can keep us too busy to doing things to stop and pray. Give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. The revised version has it. We will continue steadfastly in prayer. The implication of the word here used means to be strong, steadfast, and be devoted to, to keep at it with constant care, to make a business out of it. We find the same word in Colossians 4.12 and in Romans 12.12, which is translated continuingly continuing instant in prayer the apostles were under the law of prayer which law law recognizes god is god and depends on him to do for them what he would not do without prayer they were under the necessity of prayer just as all believers are in every age and in every clime they have to be devoted to prayer to make their ministry of the word efficient the business of preaching is worth very little without without it being direct partnership with the business of praying. Apostolic preaching cannot be carried on unless there be apostolic praying. Alas, that this plain truth has been so easily forgotten by those who minister in holy things. Without in any way passing a criticism on the ministry, we feel it to be high time that somebody or other declare to its members that effective preaching is conditioned on effective praying. The preaching which is most successful is that ministry which has much of prayer in it. Perhaps one might go so far as to say it is the only kind that is successful. God can mightily use the preacher who prays. He is God's chosen messenger for good, whom the Holy Spirit delights to honor, God's efficient agent in saving men and in edifying the saints. So, amen. So I thought I would, yes, amen. 
just give you a, a, an understanding of how important prayer is because I know how the enemy is. He can get people, you know, people get excited about something when it's new. But then when it gets to be older or old, routine, whatever, there's all kinds of uh, daggers that the enemy would throw at you to get you to place a low emphasis on something that's very valuable to God. If the devil exposes himself to try and steal that from you, you've got to understand it's valuable. Amen. He he goes after valuable things. He used to live in heaven, remember, where everything was gold and rubies and sapphires and precious gems. So he's trying to get that back. So he's looking for precious things in the earth that he can steal, can keep captive. He 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 doesn't like your preaching, but he knows it's valuable to those who do. And so he will try and steal that if he can and, and things of that nature. So we have all ways to be vigilant about our prayer and understand how very, very valuable and important prayer is. That is not to lift ourselves up, but to know value is to know value. You don't want to be deceived and not know the value on something. Uh, this is not just a meeting to come to. This is work for God, with God, and it's very, very important work in what God is doing in the earth. So don't don't let us forget it. Amen. <clears throat> God will, <clears throat> if we call on God, he will forever answer us. The patriarchs knew this. Amen. It was passed down as a tradition in Old Testament times. And in this day and age, people understand that God is available to everybody because the Holy Spirit makes men aware of the existence of God and he advocates on their behalf. Not just the church, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit will reprove us of sin and of righteousness. So he gets involved in our lives at all times. Isaiah 60 gives a picture of what the earth is like now and it further emphasizes the the importance of prayer. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. That's the intercessor. Your light is, is what comes through God and your connection with God and your desire to pray and to reach out to God. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You're not just shining and glowing for people to admire you. But the glory of the Lord is there so that you can do the work of God in the earth. He says, for behold, the darkness shall cover and is covering the earth now and gross darkness the people. There's thick darkness here. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. So God wants us to be shining forth his glory, but if we don't have a prayer connection with him, that's not going to happen. The world is not going to see what we have to offer if we are not closely connected with God through prayer. It's got to be that way. There is no substitute for prayer. There is no substitute for giving yourself over to God in prayer. And when I say that, I mean disconnect yourself from everything that distracts you and from everything that would split your attention between you and God. You'll find it much more beneficial and much more fruitful 
to stay in that place of prayer and in that place of the spirit until God has finished doing what he wants to do through prayer. So controlled prayer, God-controlled prayer, is the goal that we want in all intercession. Amen? In all intercession. So Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1, tells 1 and 2, tells us the condition of the earth today. Even though there's more information, communication, we have greater ability to reach out to one another, there is more darkness. And so when when darkness is abounding, the Bible says grace much more abounds, but you won't find that grace unless you find that place of grace through prayer and communication with God. So you have to stay in continual contact with the master and you have to work these things through in the realm of the spirit so that God's will can be done in the earth. Prayer goes beyond your needs only. They must include the needs that God has, and he will make sure they include the needs that he has. God will delay some of our personal prayers just to keep us coming back. Amen? Just so we don't grab and, you know, do a snatch and grab or something like that. Amen? Amen. He's disciplining us and bringing the fruit of the Spirit out of us at the same time that he's meeting our needs. Most of us know for a fact it doesn't take 20 years to get anything from God, but it does because he makes it so. See, he's in control anyway. Amen. I always tell people, I said, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, it, it's easy to get distracted when you pray. But it's also easy to put off prayer because you don't want to let go of your control over things. Because you know that once you get in the spirit, what you want to do is gone. So we put it off as long as we can. And then we get somebody's teaching on one-minute prayer or 30-second prayer. Say, take, take a minute out of your day to do this. No, I'm not, because I ain't that kind of girl. I'm mad. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we have to understand that God dictates the prayer. He tells you how long, if that's an issue. He tells you what to pray for. He directs the prayer to the areas that he has interest in. And he allows us also to get our own needs met in the realm of prayer. At some point, it becomes evident to the intercessor that it ain't about you. Something else is going on. Because... My needs, I can ask for those in like three seconds. Money, 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 money. You know how it goes. And stuff, stuff, stuff. I want stuff. And so, if it, you know, it doesn't take us long to get in there and thank God for it and come out. But then there's the the aspect of yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to catch us up into the realm of intercession for the things that God wants us to pray for. Amen. And so if those things are outlined and you do it consistently, it makes it so much easier. But then there are times when you have prayers that are set out already, and then God will take you off into a realm of praying for something or or something will catch your attention, something in the news or something that you you get wind of, a report of this, a report of that. And you find yourself 
being burdened about it and taking that to God in prayer as well. And so the spirit of intercession belongs to God, like everything else of the spirit belongs to God. And so we know that if we can delay yielding to the spirit, we have more control over our lives, but yield we will. Amen. Because it becomes overwhelming sometimes, the burden that we have, and we must take it to God in prayer. So in John chapter 14, you'll see uh, how the Holy Spirit works with all of humanity. I said that, uh, that the patriarchs knew how to contact God, and that was passed on through tradition, through their children. They knew how to build an altar. They knew how to come to God. But in this day and age, uh, we come to God based on the power of the Holy Spirit. So as long as you have received of God's Spirit, if you're born again and you're Spirit-filled or just born again and not Spirit-filled, usually what not being Spirit-filled will lead you to want to be Spirit-filled. I don't know of anybody that was open to teaching, uh, refused more power from God. In fact, by the time you... Receive the Holy Spirit, you're so desperate for more of God, you don't know how to refuse anything. You know, it's like the devil is banging my head. My kids are trying to get out every window in the house without permission. You know, my husband got one one foot out the door. You know what I'm saying? Most days you want to push him out. Get both of them out there, he gone. You understand what I'm saying? And so you're barely hanging on. And somebody comes to you and say, do you pray in tongues? No, no, no. Well, you know, it'll give you more power. I want it. I want it. I want it. You know, before we can even, because you're desperate for it. So the Holy Spirit has set that up by showing you and demonstrating to you that there's a limit to what you have at this point and you need something more. That's always our story in God. We always need something more. It's like if you could take the world and turn it around The way God's word says it's supposed to be, you would do that in a heartbeat. And so there's always more to do for God. There's all, if you're honest about it, you know that don't ever, you don't ever feel just good about your efforts. You know it's going to always take more than what you have. So in John chapter 14, in verse, um, let's say, uh, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. And verse 14, it says, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father to the father and he will give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he shall dwell with you and be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. Second time he said that, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but you shall see me because I live, you'll live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. So Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will help you to know that I and the Father are one. In other words, there aren't several gods that you need to go to and address to try and get your needs met. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him 
and I will make myself known to him or manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling in him. He that loves me not does not keep my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things I've spoken unto you being yet present with you. But when the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, shall come, amen, whom the Father will send in my name, so we are three working together, he shall teach you all things and bring all things through your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. My peace I live with you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So what the Lord is saying is that the Holy Spirit is active in all of humanity, both saved and unsaved. Now, he has a different relationship. We have a covenant relationship with him because we're saved. But the world can relate to him, too. The world makes people aware that there is a God. When you were a sinner and you got in trouble, it depends on how much trouble you got into. We know there's like a a trouble that say like you get into, you can go to mama, daddy, brother, sister. You can go to somebody and borrow something. You can go to the doctor and get a pill or get some help or whatever you need. But then there's a trouble that exceeds what they're able, what humanity is able to do for you. And how many of you know everybody calls on God at that time? And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit with the sinner. He makes him aware that even though you don't know who this person is, just cry out and there's help for you. Ask and somebody will show up. Sandy Brown's testimony was that she was she had attempted suicide for the fourth or fifth time. She was a drug addict. And she worked as a cocktail waitress in Las Vegas. She's pushing drugs, swapping drugs, doing everything but her job. And she got so tired of her life, she hollered out of her window, driving down the freeway, thinking about killing herself again. Is there anybody out there who can help me? And it was the Holy Spirit telling her to cry out for a God she didn't know. She said she never set foot in a church in her life. They just grew up as people, you know, no church, no history of church, no nothing. They didn't even have distant relatives that were church people. And so, but the Holy Spirit makes all men aware that there is a God. When they don't know him, he can make them aware of it. So he reveals God to man. He makes men, the Holy Spirit makes all men aware of the existence of God and advocates on their behalf. He encourages us to reach out to God even when we don't have a covenant relationship with him. Though modern times have come, God's plan is timeless, ageless, and always relevant. He speaks our language and can always relate to us. More importantly, he has a plan for us, and it is through prayer that this plan unfolds. Luke 18.1 admonishes us. 
that men ought to always pray and not faint or not lose heart or not give up. Men ought always to pray and not faint. And he gives this parable to back up what he's saying or to to get people to understand more completely what he's talking about. He says there was an instance where somebody had uh, the woman, a woman needed some uh, uh, to go to court and get some relief. Somebody was stealing from her or doing something from her, uh, treating her unfairly. And she was a widow. She didn't have a husband to come and speak on behalf on her behalf. It was just her. And she went to a judge and this judge was so mean and so hateful and lacked compassion Now, how many of you remember when you were a sinner, how you thought God viewed you? You thought he was unjust, thought he was looking to get you, didn't think you could ever ask him to help you, nor think of him as a friend. And so this woman is typical of somebody who's outside of covenant with God. We look at him as unjust. And so this unjust judge said, Even though I don't care about this lady, I don't care about nothing, she's reached me by wearing me out. So just persistence. This is why we must pray and never give up. We must pray and not faint. We must pray and keep praying. Because even if God were unjust, even if you thought your your answer was being held up because you did something wrong and God don't want you to have it no more. Which that ought to nail everybody in here. Huh? He's going to give it to you anyway if you don't quit. I'm going to say it again. Y'all, y'all holier than thou people who don't ever have a errant thought about anything. Huh? Yeah. Well, let's go around. It's taking too long. And we get all suspicious about the time on our prayers. And God's trying to teach you something. Huh? He ain't trying to hold anything back from you. He's a, a just God. He's a loving God. But even if he was mean and angry and evil and you done done something wrong that he don't forgive you for, he would give it to you anyway if you don't quit. <laughs> a Syrophoenician woman had that much sense. She said, oh, I'm a dog. Well, I know I can get some crumbs off the table. If I ain't get nothing else, I'm not moving till you heal my kid. Amen. And that's the way God wants us to be in our faith. Immovable, steadfast, abounding in our faith always. Amen. And so God will give it. He says, don't give up. Don't faint because you never know if your, your persistence will wear God down if you think he's just withholding from you because he got nothing better to do. Huh? But even an unjust judge, you get tired of you asking, 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 thanking, thanking, thanking. That I thank you. I'm healed. I'm healed. I know I'm healed. I know I'm healed. Huh? And so we have to understand that, that God hears us and he has an answer for us. So part of prayer is persevering and prevailing. You persevere and you prevail. Don't let yourself get talked out of it because you think you deserve something better. You deserve it faster. You deserve more, whatever, whatever. Take yourself out of it and just let your righteousness speak for you. Amen. Like Jacob said, he said, my righteousness will talk for me. Amen.
So people have a sense that prayer is not hopeless, even though they may not know God. There, there are people that will want you to pray for them. Like people don't go to church, they're sinner, like your sinner next door neighbor. They have a sense of who God is. You know they don't really know him, you know, but they'll always be open to prayer. Or they'll come over and ask you for prayer. I would have neighbors who would ask me for prayer. Some of them, the, the ones who were religious, kind of kind of were a little snooty about it, you know. But, you know, they get hard up. They Like Nicodemus, that's, that's when the religious people come, in, in the middle of the night when nobody can see them. And just whisper, you know, you can pray for me. That kind of thing. Covenant prayer is prayer connected to God in three ways. In plan and purpose and in timing. So when you belong to God, you release any plans to him. You release the purpose to him. And you release the time of the arrival of that answer. When you're in covenant, because your covenant speaks that you trust him. It's a blood covenant. So you're you're getting the best end of the deal either way you look at it. In a blood covenant, it's already sworn. You've already got got the Jesus's life was given already. He was slain for you already. So if he's if he's already isn't that proof enough. God loves you and wants to bless you. He took his son's life in your place and you go scot-free. Huh? And so there's no higher uh, uh, force to convince you that God's word is true and that he wants to do what he says he's going to do, every part of it. So we should have no problem releasing these areas to him. You have to fit in with God's plan. He's not going to give you his power so you can go parading it around. So people can say how great you are. And he's not, your purpose in doing it has to coincide with what he wants in the earth. Amen. You know, you may think you're the most accurate person prophesying around. And he may not have you speak to anybody for months at a time. Use you sparingly. And then you don't understand it because every time you speak, your words are so accurate. Well, maybe that might have something to do with. You get in some of these crazy places and people get pulling on you with their witchcraft and fortune telling and sending you notes in the email and all that kind of stuff and trying to manipulate you and all that kind of nonsense. You do good to stay hidden. You know, prophets in the Old Testament, they'd appear and disappear. You know, Elijah was like that. And they say, what did he look like? And they describe, oh, that must be Elijah the Tishbite. That guy comes and he goes. Amen. He ain't nowhere where you can find it. Praise God. Amen. That's why Elisha had a hard time. He said, you've asked a hard thing. He said, but if you see me when I leave, you can have it. <laughs> In other words, if you can keep up with all this, mess your head straight up some of the things God has his servants do just in, in everyday living. You know what I'm saying? Have you go somewhere and you go three or four times and nothing's there and then you feel compelled to go back again? Most people be saying, yeah, I ain't going. You understand what I'm saying? And so but prophets know they have to. And you can't question God's purpose in the way he sends you and the way he uses you. Amen? 
And so we have to to give purpose and timing and plan over to God. The Bible has many instances of covenant prayer. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all lived by covenant prayer. When they prayed, they prayed God's plan, his purpose, and his timing. If Abraham coulda, he woulda without all the 100-year-old dead body stuff. You got me? That's what we all would do. We say, God, send it now. Send it quick. Huh? Because I don't know how long I can hang on just serving you and praying and stuff. Yeah, this is really, really the way our minds go. Your carnal mind wants you to snap out of prayer as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. Trust your flesh. Now, he might go along with it for, you know, for a season, but he's he's an unwilling participant in your spiritual life. Amen. Their prayer had to coincide with God's plan that they were ancestors of the Messiah and that salvation would come through them. So even though God couldn't just tell them all that, he told Abraham, you're going to have a lot of kids. Just a whole bunch of them. So God knows how to appeal to us what we can understand. But little did Abraham know that down through the ages, his descendants would give rise to the Savior of the world. He had no clue all that was going on. If he had, he would have refused that just like you and I would. Huh? It's like Mary when she when God told her the only thing that settled her down was that she had read some of her Bible or somebody read the story. She was a devout young girl. She was a faithful Jewish girl. God's not going to give that kind of responsibility to somebody who's just going to refuse it because they don't have any kind of knowledge or understanding of anything. And so God builds on the knowledge that we have about him already. He's not going to call you and tell you he's going to do something miraculous. He just wants you to be faithful where you're at and let him unfold the rest of the plan to you. But understand that whatever God gives you to do, whether it looks big or it looks small to you, don't despise the day of small things because what's small will grow if you give it to God. What's what every seed that he breathes on prospers so don't ever feel like oh it's too small and when am i gonna blow up you gonna blow up all right you just let god do the blowing on you you understand me and allow god to move you but don't be shocked at some of the things that he would have you involved with and the importance that it would would bring to the earth i always tell myself i said god I'd rather be known in the realm of the spirit than to be known in the realm of the natural. And many times your natural stature will be revealed by spiritual things. It'll come out eventually at some point anyway. We've been involved in some prayers that have changed cities. They've changed the atmosphere and changed dramatically people's lives. And I'm not saying we're the only ones. I'm not that stupid. God can call who he wants to to pray. But I do know 
that prayer, that the prayer effort that we put in pays big dividends because he's allowed me to live long enough to see it happen and see these things come to pass. When they they tried Jack Kevorkian for murder, I was the most shocked person in Detroit. And God had, had moved me up here to get a group of people together to pray against assisted suicide. You got me? And I kept saying, I said, well, he needs to be tried for murder. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. God try him for murder. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. And God would have me call people that didn't even know me, and I didn't know them, prosecutors over in Oakland County. You know, if I would get discouraged about praying, should I continue? I said, oh, keep praying because we've got some movements on there. Who tells people stuff like that? You got me? So you call some anybody, well, if God don't open the door for you, call some person in authority in your city and tell them you're praying for them. They say, mm-hmm, thanks, and hang up on you. You got me? But but God knew how important it was for us to stay connected to the work and for us to stay faithful in what he was calling you to do. So you'll get your fame, but you might be the only one laughing when you read the report in the newspaper or see it online or something like that. You'll see that your prayer has moved what God wanted it to move, and he gets the glory for it. Amen? You get the satisfaction of knowing that you did good and that was God that told you to pray for that. You understand? You get it confirmed. but you And you have to know these things or you will quit. But as far as that being something that you can just run around telling everybody about, I wouldn't recommend it. You got me? Just write a book or something like that for those who want to know. Because uh, the average Christian doesn't care about stuff like that. Tell them, you know, it's like I'll sit right now. I, I remember those uh, young girls that were had locked up for 10 years, abducted. And, and, and most people would think they tell you police and FBI will say, well, after, you know, after 24 hours, it's very, very rare that you find them alive. They're alive 10 years later. The little girl out there in California, 15 or 20 years, she in somebody's backyard on a farm. And I can, I can, I watch some of those, those, you know, I gotta have my ID network. My bad people, as Rachel said. And I watch those shows and I watch people who have missing relatives now. And they said, you know what? We really got encouraged. I turned on TV. I saw those girls in Cleveland. They've been in that house for 10 years. And I thought, well, I'm not going to quit believing that God will bring my person back or that they'll come home one day. So it has encouraged many people that need to be encouraged that their loved one is still somewhere alive and will return home one day. They are people that return home. So praise God. So we need to know that nothing's too small to do when you cut off pictures off a milk carton and paste them and make a poster, you know, and people that have wonderful churches and all that kind of stuff think people like that us are are bored and have nothing better to do. We just cutting out pictures. If it's your relative on there and they come home, you'd be glad somebody took the time to do that. You got me? So you can't judge the work by what the world thinks the work should be about. Everything the Jew did centered around the coming Messiah, whether they were aware of it or not. Since he has come, everything centers around his plan for mankind in every age. We need to ask, what is God doing in our family, city, state, 
nation and the world, and what is my part in it? What part do we play? Whatever he is doing, prayer is the vehicle to get us the desired results of God. Prayer is the vehicle. Prayer works in any era, in any country, any language, in any culture. Prayer is universal access to God. Salvation has been throughout the ages. Salvation of man himself is God's theme throughout the ages. Genesis 3 and verse 21. Turn there if you want to, but it just, it says, I had this through this simple gesture. God began in the Garden of Eden to set the theme for his dealings with man. So the simple gesture of God slaughtering an animal, he traded Adam and Eve's fake covering for their sin and gave them a real temporary covering. Amen. And so that set the tone for God's dealings with man throughout the ages. He has always been about saving mankind from himself. What they did was not salvation. It was a covering. And their shame was never covered and their sin was never done away with. So he was able then to set the tone for his dealings with man throughout the ages. That was a that was a picture of the blood promise that God would come and bring someone who would atone for their sins through the shedding of blood. Man has always contacted God through blood. It's true today. When we cry out to God in prayer, it is through blood that we contact him, through the shed blood of Jesus that we accept as total payment for our access into the throne room of God. We are justified by his blood and allowed to come into his knowledge, not just his presence, but his knowledge. And when you have a knowing of God and a knowing with God, that is something you take with him outside of his presence it becomes a permanent working part of your life and this day god is giving us more knowledge because the availability of prophecy and of prophets and of prophesying has increased dramatically in the earth also accuracy has increased because of the knowledge of the word that encases prophecy so that it it guides prophecy to be right. See, when you get a company of believers together, the reason the early church had so much power and so so many results of God is because the believers there, the Bible says, were daily under the apostles' doctrine and prayer. When they would preach, they would preach Christ and they would take people all the way from the beginning of Jewish history unto the present day and the power of God would fall. You understand what I'm saying? And so truth pervaded those atmospheres. True, nothing but truth was ever in those atmospheres. So when our atmosphere, if we have a truth atmosphere, and I want to preach in that atmosphere, it will pull me in the truth direction. 
See, if I don't come in here and, and start bragging and blasting and, yeah, y'all going to get a wave. I got a wave. I don't know what I got until I get up here and open my mouth. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, keep it in truth, sister. You know, just slow it down a little bit. Get under God and let God direct you and pull you and all that. And then the atmosphere of truth prevails here. And then nothing but truth comes forth. If it starts to veer off, truth will pull it back over in the right direction. And so you're looking for truth. I've got truth in me. And so you're pulling, you're steering that that uh, meeting in the right direction. And so when you understand your role as a believer, you will start getting the results that God wants you to get. That's how believers go out empowered. You go out and you pray for sick people. I don't have to tell y'all to go pray for somebody. You find your own sick. We've done this for years, ever since we were started. When we, you know, first I tell people what I tell y'all. Start with your babies. When they're sick, you lay hands on them. Don't just rub them and say it'll get better, but you cast that devil out of them while you got your hands on them. It starts there. And, you know, go to the goldfish, the dog, whoever else you got to work on. You understand what I'm saying. And move on up from there, Wheezy. And so now we got people that people, April, uh, Avis's daughter was, gave a testimony and I was just sitting there with my mouth open. I said, little April, I remember when she was in diapers. You know, you remember these things. But she saw a traffic accident and felt led of God to go over and lay hands on some of the people who were there. And she said, well, this lady began to get up. She was, wasn't moving at first. And after she prayed for, she just prayed and just exited right on off the scene again. You understand what I'm saying? There wasn't no time for jumping and shouting and acting. You know what I'm saying. It's do what you do. huh? You do what you do. And so when people are empowered, that's what you want. But it comes out of a truth atmosphere, folks. It comes out of an atmosphere that is stable in the truth of God. We don't, I don't have people running in there looking for a prophecy and pulling on me for for this and for that. You know what I'm saying. You got to keep it holy. I don't know what God wants to do with people. There are people who will come by and they'll say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, who is that? There was a couple that came to conference. You brought them in? No, yeah. Uh huh. Right. Her little kid, a little girl's of nine years old, shows the parents a flyer. And so when I hear that, of course, you know, the compassion of God feels for those people. Now, they were there at the wrong time, not enough time. to. I could have said, <laughs> I don't do, you know, I don't do rush jobs. I got consecrate myself. No. And then I was full of flour in the kitchen. All time. You know, it's always like that. Why do I get... The dough in the rings and the dough under the nails and, you know, I'm sticking my hand out there. I like to, when I prophesy to people, sometimes I do have to make contact with them. And I'm sticking my hand out there and said, brother, she's going to get biscuits on her hands. <laughs> you like biscuits, honey? You like them raw? <laughs> we got raw biscuits. But God had encouragement for them. He had a word for them. They came for something and so you have to do your best to, to give people what, what God sends them for. You know, it's, it's God's plan for things. Amen. It's His plan. 
And at some points, you know, you think to yourself, well, it'd be nice if you can get in the meeting first and we can do this and do that. But you don't have time for all that sometimes. You just got to fly and trust God with it. And so so those are the things that, that we have to give ourselves over to. But the fact that prophecy and accurate prophecy is increasing in the earth means that God can drop a big word out there anytime he wants to. And I have seen some big words recently, and I'm expecting more. Amen. I'm expecting more. Amen. And I'm not looking for everybody's favorite prophet to have something to say. I don't care if, if my my dog prophesies. You understand what I'm saying? It just, you know, bow, wow, wow, and I get an interpretation. That's cool with me. You got me? Anywhere God wants to drop it on us, drop it. Amen. Because there's so much darkness in the world. We need the light of prophecy. Amen. Amen. And we know that that anointing is different than your suggestion and your advice and all that kind of nonsense stuff. When that, when that anointed word comes to you, it makes an impression on you and you know you got to receive that. Amen. So it's a good thing to have that. And you, in conversations, they can get anointed and prophetic if we'll just allow God. Don't always be looking to tell somebody something. Mind your own, your own ansarius. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, you kill the spirit of God just looking for something. And I mean, now, if you're in the office, you're in the office. You know, a lot of times God will help people out just because they've contacted the right gift. You know, my right prophet Waller. You can you can release something. You don't even want to. Be, you don't even be in the mood for it. Like get lost. I won't ever. <laughs> Listen, this is my day off. <laughs> you know, God tell you, you don't get no day off. Are you kidding me? You don't know what sometimes people have to go through to get there. You got me. So you you honor that. You respect that. This is uh, uh, when in because the world is in such darkness, there is automatic conflict against God's kingdom It's automatic. I mean, it's like the devil's people are lying and wait to pounce the minute you say something. Amen. And, and it's being worked out more now in a political arena than the church, the church. We've had our conflict in the church. When I started out, they tried to kill all the prophets that were alive. Amen. But <laughs> we made it. <laughs> you know, tatters and rags and half your teeth knocked out and all that kind of Oh, we made it. Because huh? the devil can't kill the anointing. You know, he, you kill one of us and ten more will pop up. Huh? We like Bebe's kids. Huh? We don't die. We multiply. Somebody, somebody said one time, <laughs> said, hey, you know how them watchmen are. You can't put nothing over on them. <laughs> you know, I used to call it the Cleveland look until I saw Detroit people doing it. I said, well, I don't know what the call is, but, you know, and, uh, just keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? Don't get real excited about nobody. But so this is really not a time to faint. Amen. Or compromise or quit. Don't get lackluster. Don't let your heart seep out of your prayers. 
Always keep your heart engaged. You know, the, the Bible says in due season you will reap if you faint not. And, and one translation says you don't lose heart. So you got to have it in your heart at all times. So this is the time to advance because darkness is being exposed and God wants his light shed. The glory is arisen upon us so that we can shed our light on situations through prayer and through speaking into them if you need to. We need to understand that light has exposed darkness to where darkness cannot run and hide anymore in many situations. People who are in darkness are so exposed as like, I didn't believe them people was that crazy. You understand what I'm saying? They just go nuts uh, with one idea and they keep repeating it over and over again. That's how you can tell it's demonic because they've been given one thing, thing to say and they parrot it over and over and over again. So God's making us make it easy for us to stay separated from the devil's crazy people. You got me? You just let that play out. You don't have to get involved in it. One of the things that we see that has happened recently is North and South Korea have decided to end their 70-year war. 70 years. Now, the people with no faith, well, I don't know, North Korea does this all the time. They ain't never done this before. This they ain't done. huh? This right here is God. And I know it's God. Did you see the two of them skipping around, holding hands, skipping across the borders? It's just like little kids. huh? I mean, the joy. <laughs> but see, if you keep up with prayer and you keep up with people who do pray, you'll remember that it was, it's been about 20 years now. Pastor Cho, who has the largest church in South Korea, Yoido Christian Fellowship or church or whatever, they have always had a 24-hour prayer in there. And and people who who go in there say it sounds like a roar, like a dull roar, because nobody's praying English and grabbing the mic. So we don't have to play drop the mic over there. They all pray in the Holy Ghost. Nobody, no big eyes, no little, it's not a lead prayer at all. It's people come in and just engage in the spirit of prayer and everybody knows to pray in tongues. You don't get people that stop in there because they've been out shopping. They want to meet their girlfriend or meet her. It ain't no hookup church. This is those people go in there and they're committed to prayer. One of the things that they have prayed for, and Pastor Cho, remember years ago back in the 80s, everybody was having him come speak at their church. and Oh, he's got the biggest church. They're hoping some of it will fall on them without them paying the price for it. They saw it wasn't working like that. And he said the reason, he said, I pray, he say, I obey. That was the end of the sermon. He'd go sit down. And they, he said, oh, you want me to say something else? Yeah, I told y'all what the secret is. Huh? But they didn't want to hear that about the pray and obey thing. Huh? But he quit that. He came off the road more than 20 years ago. And he said, the Lord showed me that I cannot have uh, peace in my heart and say my work is done unless North and South Korea are one family again. 
And I thank God he's allowed him to live. Pastor Cho's in his, probably in his 80s, but he's living to see that come to pass. See, when you get devoted to something and you know it's God's plan, he's always got bigger things. That big church is nothing compared to bringing two nations back to peace again. Amen? He could care less about that. One of the things our president has promised to demand the release of political prisoners and Christians who are jailed in these communist countries and places. Now, I know most of y'all don't like him. It ain't about liking people these days. We need to grow up. Let God use who is available to use. If he could use the people we like, he'd have used them already. Amen. It ain't about like. you got to grow up, folks, and understand this world is going to hell. And he's got to find somebody who's got enough courage to get out there and try and stop it. Huh? Trying to get all these political people and all these human trafficking. And that's the other thing. Exposure of pedophile rings and human trafficking rings. And it's been broken up by the Hollywood exposure. All these people, these uh, 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 Me Too, you know, all that stuff, that's to expose the pedophiles and get them out of the way. Amen? And God is putting them through court to take away the the vehicle that people use to carry on what they do, and that's money. As long as those women were afraid they wouldn't get an acting job, money. They went along with it. Now all of a sudden everybody's all offended, which they should be, but they should have done a long time ago. You know, just pack your bags and leave that town if that's how you got to make it. You understand what I'm saying? Be honest with yourself. When you see something wrong, but that's the best sinners can do sometimes is look for some kind of pity from everybody else. But, see, these things are happening by God's exposure. You don't get stuff exposed. That's a whole demon entity. That's lost its grip on the minds of people. Why? That's a move of God, folks. It's a move of God. Political crimes are being exposed. Everybody's been looking at this witch hunt. You know, the day that that somebody who is elected of any office in this country can be removed by people who don't want them there, we're in very bad shape. Y'all better pray Trump stays in office because the day they make him leave, we're the same as Colombia, Nicaragua, any place else where Russia, any place. So just hold your horses if you people looking for something to get excited about. Get excited about the world is going to be saved. Amen. If we hold on to what we have as American people. So political crimes are being exposed. Payments and sexual harassment with government money is being exposed. Your money and my money pays for them to make hush-hush because they just stepped over and done something they're not supposed to do. Amen. Immorality is the first to go when revival hits. That's that's historic truth about the church. People who are living immoral are exposed first when revival hits. Because you have to have a clean heart. you got to have a pure heart and a right spirit about you to approach the throne of grace. 
So instead of people having their sins covered up for for eons and eons, they're being exposed now. There's nothing more than God exposing people. If you don't think God's in it, when is the last time the devil exposed somebody for doing wrong? Get real. Get real. We don't like this kind of revival because it's not romantic and like it. We want to do history. I, I, I want to be the black person that gets baptized in the spirit and everybody starts getting happy about it. And we got integration in the church. I don't care about that. Let's get the sin out the church. Let's integrate on that. Amen. Let's integrate out all of this, what we see going on. It's been horrible. We've had to endure a lot of mis, <laughs> misfortune, misbehavior, malfeasance, malfactors, all them kind of people. We put up with that stuff long enough in the church. It's time to clean her up. Amen. It's time the bride has clean people. I want clean ministers ministering to me. I don't know about you, but I don't want no fornicators, adulterers. Nobody, homosexuals, I don't want nobody sinning. I want no thieves having the money. We don't need that. We want a pure church, a bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing that the Lord is going to be proud of and the Lord can come for. Now, people are forgiven, but it is not a, a beautiful mark on the church. Good grief. We're all forgiven of all sin if we'll confess it, but stopping it is the problem. huh? So God's putting a stop to it. There's not going to be anywhere for darkness to hide inside or outside the church. So, yeah, it ain't purdy. It ain't what we think it ought to be, and that's so we can't try to control it. If you don't know what's happening, you don't get a chance to mess it up. That's the way I look at it. Amen. So so we'll just trust God through this. But I'm telling you, don't quit praying. Don't ever stop praying. Don't lose. It. I don't care if you don't get what you want personally. You pray anyway just to show the devil he ain't going to win and trying to hold you up on the cheap stuff. But you'll get what you do, you, you know, what you expect God to give you. And think about this, when you get to heaven, so much more is waiting for you. That's the way I look at it. I didn't look at it that way 30 and and 20 years ago, but I look at it that way now. I say, Lord, for all the things that I missed you down here on earth, you're going to give me double more when I get there home with you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you for help that comes with your holy word, Lord. We bless you, we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen and amen again. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer.